Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie, part of the Nova Insider Network. It is Super Bowl Sunday morning, 11 a.m. on Sunday, February 12th. I don't know why I had to. Is it Sunday? I am massively hungover. Linda drove home last night from the game. Um, I have tried everything, water, food, vitamins, uh, banana, whatever it could be to try and cure this hangover. I have finally resorted to putting some uh, alcohol in the old coffee and mm. we're going the hair of the dog route now. So this is what we're, this is how we're going to live. Okay. We're just going to live in this world today. I've already prepped my meal. I'm making a big steak dinner. It's my Valentine's day dinner. Also my super bowl dinner it kind of works out both ways. Two birds, one stone. I like that. That's right. That's right. I got, Guys, I got th- I got three prime steaks. I'm pretty pumped about this. Chris, the, uh, what's your what's your Ken Palm efficiency for steak cooking? Oh, it's it's top. And it's holiday top. holiday crossover. It's top notch. We're we're talking top notch stuff right here. So oh, I got the okay. cast iron skillets all seasoned. They're ready to go. I got I got a, two prime ribeyes and a prime porterhouse. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a hell of an evening for me. Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> There was a fa- Willie. There was a phase in our friendship where, where like our entire group of friends just tried to talk in like idioms like that, like just <laughs> the entire time. Like there would be like things like, "Oh, I'll circle back with you on this uh, bird in the hand and two in the bush." Like, I mean, the early bird gets the worm. Am I right? Yeah, as it as it does, as it does. Second mouse gets the cheese, though. That's right. I like that. Less lesser used one. Yeah. Oh goodness. All right. So, uh, um, big, a big week from a 40,000 foot perspective. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. Um, but we got so much to cover. That's not the men's basketball team. So we're going to start there. Right. And we're going to start with what well, we Politics. thought we were going oh, we to start with the NBA, but instead we're going to start with, um, like the record setter of all time, Maddie Segrist, who is, Crazy, Alpha dog of crazy. the week, Shaq fit man play of the week, like all the things, like she's got all the awards, uh, but, and I, I, we got to start with her record setting, record setting performance yesterday, which was unbelievable. So the, the Willanova women's team at the pavilion yesterday also played Seton Hall. Seton Hall, by the way, 15 and nine coming into that matchup, not a bad team by any metric, like no. probably going to make the women's NIT if I had to guess, Um a good team. We blow them out 99 to 65. Uh, so a good team performance all around 99 points. It's crazy. Uh, and of, and of that 99, Maddie Segrist scores 50 with 10 boards to boot and does it on 20 of 26 field goals, including four of six from deep two assists, two steals, zero turnovers. Uh, the That's stat line good. is just absolutely absurd. And Maddie continues to cement her goat status uh, with this with this absolutely insane performance. And Willie, I think you have like a list of like additional records here that we got to run through. I'm, I'm working on pulling that up right now, but all right, 
But yeah, so it was it was the single biggie single game record, right? Single game scoring record, which is incredible considering all the people who have played in the biggies, right? Do, does this include this includes like old UConn, even when they were out and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the time. That's that's pretty crazy because there's been obviously so much talent that's come through the Big East when you look at UConn, not particularly Villanova, but just absolutely phenomenal. And like you said, the height of efficiency there is is so sick. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of these things in my mind, it's like, oh, it's cool. Like Maddie's such a great scorer and she got the Villanova record, but to get the 50 piece and to get the all big East record, like that's, that's stuff that, that turns some heads across the country too. She's definitely going to get some more, some more looks for uh for player of the year. Yeah. So what we have is I'm just going through, obviously she's Villanova all time leading scorer. Um, broke the program record for Shelly Pennyfather, who had 44 points. Um, so smashed that 38-year-old record. The the women's uh, she broke that record, by the way. Sorry, she broke that record with like six, six seven minutes left in yeah. the game. She, many didn't even play like the last like four or five minutes. 32 minutes, yeah. <laughs> um, and then she beat the biggest women's basketball all-time regular season record, which like once again, we talk about it's you this includes UConn, so this includes like Diana Taurasi, Brianna Stewart, Tina Charles, Maya Moore, um, like Katie Lou Samuelson, all these fucking ballers who have played here, who have played in the Big East year over year, and Maddie Seegers is the best of them all, or at least the highest scoring of them all. It's absolutely unreal. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. At the game last night, they actually, like, um, they brought it up. They honored it, and then they put it up on the big screen and showed it, and then she was there. Um, and they uh, camera panned in on her. She was there. She had this like sick, by the way, she had this sick, uh, like varsity letter jacket with a big V on it. It was, it was, it was awesome. Uh, and she's sitting there and the whole crowd, and it was like 75%, 80% full yesterday, standing ovation, uh, for, really cool. for Maddie, which was, which was awesome. And <laughs> it's the least that everyone can do. Uh, so it was, uh, it was quite the moment there. And she's obviously having, She's had quite the career, but yeah. she's also had quite the uh, she's also had quite the season and, and quite the and quite the day yesterday. Yeah, we were talking about this. Uh, Nicole and I were talking about this the other day. We we're like, what what's like the draft look like in in the WNBA? Because like obviously she's a great player. Like, is she good enough to get drafted? And it sounds like from us look looking into this casually, like she is projected to be drafted. There's only 12 teams in the WNBA, so the draft is a lot smaller but she is projected at this point to be like a first round pick. Yeah. So, so again, you're basically one of the top 10 players in the country, which, which we know, but it seems like that will translate to a professional career too. Yeah. Looking at an ESPN uh, one right now, uh, they have her at 11 going to the Dallas wings, but this was also four days ago before she dropped a 50 ball. Um, so I'd imagine we're going to see a, at least, you know, a top, top, a top 10 pick. I feel pretty confident about, I don't think she's going to catch a Leah Boston, but <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I just imagine this uh, fifty and ten is insane, and that on efficiency is insane, and it's just like it doesn't matter what level of basketball you're doing that. That's absolutely insane, and she's doing that in Big East basketball on the highest stage in women's basketball. It is she's an absolute animal. I don't think we've ever had a guy score fifty at all as well. So I think it's just the highest across Villanova and Villanova basketball history. Maybe Arizon did it. I have off the like touch. She, no, she beat Arizon. Okay. And and she the I believe, I believe the individual record was Shelly Pennefather, who had a 44 point game. Um, 
And obviously so, Maddie just looked at all of Shelly Pettifather's records and said, this is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> she, Maddie for, is the queen. If for some reason that Maddie were to stay a fifth year, which she's eligible to do um, because of the COVID, because she's still one of those COVID, um, she's kind of in the COVID era. Uh, so she's technically could stay another year. If she did, uh, which sounds unlikely given her draft status, but if she did, it would be a, like she has, all of the tools to be basically like an all-time NCAA leading scorer type type thing, Correct. like records that'll never be broken type stuff. Yeah, Correct. right now she's like uh, just doing quick maths, like nine, just like a thousand points behind Kelsey Plum. But there's still the rest of the season, Big East tournament and NCAA tournament to go. Um, assume she gets another three hundred points, let's say in the next couple. She would start the next year like in the top 25 of all time leading scorers. And if she continued, you assume she's improving. She's only going to get better. We're looking at a season this way where she would smash Kelsey Plum's record. Yeah. By the way, um, talking about the NCAA tournament, just by pivoting a little bit to that, the Villanova women's team is ranked top 15. And that actually showed up in the, they did. So just like they do on the men's side, they do their like bracket preview where they preview the top four teams in each region. Um, at least to this point in the season. They just did that the other day on the women's side, and Villanova was uh, positioned for a four seat. Uh, so with, with by the way, Villanova has plenty of opportunities left to keep improving their status. Uh, so, so we're going to see how this kind of goes, but they have UConn coming up again and, and at home, and candidly, we're playing better than UConn right now um, and, and, and played them tight at UConn. So that's yeah. a, that's an opportunity there to get a big time signature win, and if we keep knocking teams off, it's not like it's not an easy schedule uh, to finish the season. So if we keep knocking teams off, like this team could be a top three, maybe even a two seed by by the time it's all said done. It might be tough to crack the two line, but the three line is absolutely in play. Yeah, beating UConn and winning the Big East tournament, I feel like that we're knocking on a three two seed. Yeah. So too cool. So there you go. There you have it there. Uh, so so now let's transition into the NBA, which was the story of the week until Maddie dropped the 50 piece. Uh, so so the NBA has been absolutely crazy at the trade, de- trade deadline here. And Villanova was like the dead center of the trade deadline totally. for some reason. It's kind yeah. of weird. Uh, so 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 first of all. The Knicks were rumored at, in every Villanova player, every single Villanova player, Bridges, Bay, Hart, whatever. Every Villanova player had some rumors swirling around them at the Knicks. And I was just like, are they going to, is, is, is Jay lining up to succeed Thibodeau here? So, so. Streets are talking. <laughs> Streets are talking. There was smoke. Uh, There's definitely smoke. <laughs> but, but in reality, what happened was both Bridges and Hart and Arch got traded. Um, Hart comes from the Blazers to the Knicks to play with Jalen Brunson. Unfortunately, in that trade, Arch, who wasn't getting much playing time, goes the other direction. Um, no, as part that's of a nice the, way to put it. As part of the as part of the trade, uh, but now Hart is like a bench player who gets good minutes, twenty six minutes a game, right? Like 25, yeah. 25. I'd guess he's going to take uh, Quentin Grimes' spot. Grimes has so, not been doing anything. Did you guys see the game yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. I, so Josh was a key reserve coming off the bench for them. Um, was playing down the stretch took a huge hit a huge shot with like two minutes left like 
I mean, Josh is a Tibbs player through and through. Tibbs loves 100, Josh. 100%. 100%. So Great match made in heaven. Yeah. If Josh isn't starting, Josh will still be playing 28, 30 minutes and be on the floor in crunch time more than likely. Yeah. The reason, and the reason we say this is if you don't follow the NBA that much, Tom Thibodeau is basically one of these coaches who's known to be a huge hard ass, is known to like work his guys like super hard in practice and basically wants people who are going to shut up and just like bust their ass. And he'd be a great college coach. Like he'd be a great college coach. Yeah, exactly. But like all these Villanova players, and this is one of the things I want to mention is like, this is part of the reason Josh actually gets shipped around, I would argue, is that he's a guy who can do a lot of things, who is willing to play a lot of roles, like rolls up his sleeves and just does all that shit that you don't have to like worry about him coaching or buying in. So by showing all of that, like, yeah, he's going to curry Tibbs favor, like Brunson's the same way. Bridges is very similar in a lot of respects of like can do a number of different things on the court is going to bust their ass. Um, and as a result, that just like makes these players more valuable when you're talking trade deadline because you can slot yeah. them into any team here. So yeah, it's going to be, it'll be cool for Josh. Um, I mean, Portland is like a, a weird team and the Knicks. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it should be a team. cool role for him. It should be a playoff team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So hopefully there's a, a little bit of stickiness there, but I think he but, has, I think he has a, Contracts up, but he's a player his, option, I think. For his contract is very weird, but yeah. So it's, the short of it is contracts up. He has a player option. So he has a player option for 13 million, but it's not fully guaranteed. So it kind of like also goes towards the team. It was like a weird thing that he signed two years ago because he wanted a big payday, but like he had injury concerns. So there was like yeah. a little bit of trepidation around it. So he signed like a one year prove it. If they, if they like it, then he gets an opt-in. And then if he opts in, he has the power then to do whatever. Realistically, what I think he'll do is opt out and then try to get a longer term contract. So instead of having a player option, go for like three years, 45 million. I'm sure that's what he's like looking to do. Um, He's bounced around a bunch. I'm sure he would love to stay in New York. So um, yeah. And yeah. he's bounced around not because he's not valuable. It's because he's so valuable. Because he is valuable, yeah. yeah it's totally. because he is valuable. And the teams he have, 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 have been on haven't been good enough to really, like, utilize him in the way. So other teams are like, oh, we can utilize him. So it's like a weird thing where he's just too valuable, so he's always going to bounce around. He's a yeah. great guy. Uh, he's really a good fit for this Knicks team. They need a player just yeah. like him right now. Um, and, and so the match made in heaven with him and Brunson – uh, you know, <laughs> down to as simple as Brunson knows where he likes the ball, right? Like it's just, yep. it's just, it's just something that'll work. I think really well. The Knicks seem to be. So this is one of the interesting things about the Knicks is that for years the Knicks were just shuttling in overrated stars who didn't really weren't leaders and whatever. And it seems like they've just made an organizational shift towards this like priority on culture. And it seemed to work out with Brunson, who <laughs> they brought in for culture reasons in addition to the fact that he's an excellent basketball player and now they seem to be pushing their chips into the middle of the table on this culture thing um and as we said it works great for tom tibbs so i think that it's i think this is going to be a good fit for them i feel like the knicks have a have an opportunity i look do i think the knicks are a championship roster no but do i think the knicks are do i think the knicks are going to surprise a lot of people because they're going to play a little bit more of that tougher ball and actually and actually win some more games than you'd expect, or maybe win an extra playoff round than you might expect going in. Yeah. I think they will. Yeah. Uh, so this is a really good match for them. And I'm excited to see this like new look Knicks. I think this is a team that New York can get excited about. I think people are, people are buying into it already. Like 
obviously Josh Hart is like a pretty likable personality and has developed kind of like a, a cult following a little bit based on some of his high five antics and facial expressions throughout the years. Um, and then obviously the attitude he brings to the court is, is pretty solid, but yeah, like fans on Reddit were like already going crazy about him. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I do want to, I do while we're on the Knicks, not trade related, but like, I do want to talk about Brunson cause we haven't done a heart monitor in like fucking forever. Yeah. Um, Brunson in, in 2023, like since the turn of the year, is just like on absolute fire, which continued last night. Like he he scored 38 last night, but that's just like regular happenstance through January and February. And this is like not a small sample size of games. I mean, this is probably at this point, like 20, 25 games, something like that. He's averaging like a touch under 30 points a game. He's like 29, something like that, a game on like pretty good efficiency. He's shooting like, I haven't, I haven't, done the total average but i don't know his field goal percentage is right around 50 if not over his three-point percentage is 45 plus his free throw percentage is over 80 so he's got he's like a 50 40 80 right now in 2023 and just absolutely lighting up so hyper efficient scoring a ton knicks are doing pretty eh, they're doing all right um but it's i don't know i'm an all-star you know? somehow not an all-star it's total it's, total it's ridiculous, ridiculous. It's just an absurd but situation. but it's i don't know brunson just you know he started off the year hot and you're like all right this is cool like he's living up to the contract but he's just keep delivering and delivering and delivering he scored 41 against the clippers a few weeks ago and he got he got totally totally hosed in that because they made an awesome comeback and he had um this like floater down the lane which should have sealed it and then the clips hit a, a buzzer tie-in shot which is garbage but i don't I know feel- I feel Brunson's like we're like a crazy. couple weeks away from like a Jalen Brunson 50 ball. Like mm-hmm. I we're just a couple weeks away from it because he's, he's been carrying the Knicks and it's, just, I mean, he's proven not just that the contract's worth it, that he's worth way more than the contract. He's already proven oh, yeah. that. Right it's now. a steal. Oh, the contract's yeah. a steal. And it, the, the contract value declines over time. So the Knicks are <laughs> have to be so excited. They're paying him like 25 now and it goes down to like 22 by the end of the contract. Um, crazy and yeah i i think i mean it's so funny because like we we all watched him and like i think i had full faith that jalen Brunson would be in the nba for 10 to 12 years i didn't think he'd be this of this level but then when he did it as he got better and better you're kind of like oh this is like knowing how jalen plays like this is sustainable so like by like by the playoffs of last year, right before when Luca went out, I was like, I don't know, Jalen might be able to just like do this. And then he did it in the, like, that's the thing for on the national scale. He did it in the playoffs first. Yeah. It was a playoff series that he's basically single-handedly won versus the jazz. And that's where I was like, Oh no, this is very real. <laughs> like yeah, he's not just fun. Like this is like, he's very real. Um, yeah. I mean, just shout out to JB. Uh, absolute shout out and it's interesting kind of funny that this all happened while we were retiring this jersey so like all the trade breaks while it's happening that you get the live reaction of him getting hard oh yeah obviously it sucked because arch was also sent in that trade and arch was also back on campus so he had to deal with that i hadn't really seen any videos of arch which good just keep it that way like let him handle that his own way there was an element of arch though where i heard that there was some rumor that he was going to get waived after the deal which and he that, didn't. That makes sense. But. And he didn't. So there was like an element of like a, of like a. Oh, I actually this actually I'm still here. So, so it's like a little bit of like, hey, you're still playing in the in the in the association. So, 
Uh, yeah, um, he, he he's just always going to be a 15th man. That's just what it is. Yeah. But uh, um, he's a good 15th man. Who And on the topic of Brunson, who knew that just being really good at basketball is just kind of important to being good at basketball? I, I just... Sometimes it's pretty simple. <laughs> he's not, I don't know if you know though, he's not very athletic, so I don't know if it's going to translate. It's just, uh, I don't yeah, know. just, just, just like being really good at the sport is, is actually a recipe for being good at the sport. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Um, should we, should we talk Bridges? Yeah, talk there, a little. Are there yeah, a New we, York resident now? We got to talk Bridges, who it's interesting because like one of those things where it's like, I'm gutted for the sense that he was on championship teams. He lost, I believe he lost his streak now. Um, no, he didn't. Of, so no, I don't know if they count. He wasn't, no, he wasn't active. Yeah, he technically wasn't active. That's what it was. So it didn't. Yeah. Like oh, he it had, didn't he, count. He, okay. No, he, he hadn't reported to the Nets. So it doesn't Oh, gotcha. Count. Okay. So, so the, okay, that's good. And he played, he played last night. He played um, last night, yeah. He played a lot, like a lot was running through him, which we'll get to. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like a sad for him because he got moved off of a playoff roster. Um, you understand from Phoenix perspective why they did that, but like, but you know, they are, when he gets moved off the playoff roster, so you said from, from that perspective, but from like a quality of life standpoint, <laughs> there's also the element where now he lives in Brooklyn, where now he's going to be in Brooklyn and he's got two of his boys, like just across the, uh, just across the East river from him. So there's, there's some good things there for bridges too. So I'm like, like from a personal standpoint, I think he'll have some fun and I think he'll en- enjoy himself. Uh, but, and it'll be a lot closer to home. So there's, so there's all of that kind of playing, playing a role for me. So I'm not, yeah. I wouldn't go as far to say that I feel bad for. Well, for and, and here's the thing. The Nets are also 10 games above 500. So say, they're though, a playoff team. Too, yeah. Right? So even if they like, and they're going to take a step back, it might not like, I expect them to at least be in the play in situation to have a chance to get in. And like, I don't know, this is Mikhail Bridges' team, which is kind of cool. Like, yes. I mean, you could say, oh, maybe it's Ben Simmons, but he's coming. No, off the it's bench. not. And stop, stop. I know, I know. Stop. I'm just trying to be nice to him. No, um, no, he doesn't. Don't be him. nice to him. But realistically, it's like it's Mikhail and Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas and Cam I- Johnson's team. Like, it's just like a, it's a fun team to just like see, like Nick Claxton. It's just a fun team, and they can be if they go 500 the rest of the way. They're, they're still a playoff team, and then you just have a playoff series of Mikhail Bridges where, hey, Mikhail, be the number one guy and see what you can do. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. Oh, sorry, Rachel. Yeah, what do you got? Oh, no, I was just going to say on Bridges, right? Like, they've been having, like, it's wild because we're not close to Phoenix, so we don't really see it, but he meant a lot to that fan oh, base. Yeah, Like, he yeah. was really popular among the Phoenix fan base. Um, I think, like, similarly, like, not as nationally popular as Josh Hart, but like really popular among the Phoenix fan base. But it's funny because like, as soon as all this stuff started happening, like he's been all over social too, being like, yo, where my boys at? Like I saw him, Josh Jalen on Twitter, like going back and forth about like where they're going to have like their first New York city dinner together. Like it's going to be really fun for them, I think. And it's going to be, I even saw a, uh, I'll probably go to Chipotle. Yeah, they can go to Chipotle and use Josh's gold card. Um, I think Mikhail has one too. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he they did. They can treat Jalen. <laughs> yeah, Jalen, we got your Chipotle tonight. We broke, got your boy. We got you. Um, I mean, I think, Chris, you also made the joke. I think I made the joke too. Like, can't wait to see them all in like Murray Hill at Gem Saloon. So, like, that'll be hilarious. But I doubt yes. that'll actually happen. I doubt that will. No, but that would be point, hilarious. Though. Like, because, like, point, also though. you have Pat, you have Pat uh, Farrell, who lives down by me. You have, I won't say where, so that people can't find us, but, uh, cause obviously Henry. 
I'm worried about stalkers because I'm so famous. Um, Pat lives down here. Henry's here. Um, Tim Delaney, which like, I don't know if they're boys with Tim Delaney or not, but like, I have seen Pat and Tim Delaney out together. So like if Jalen, Josh, Mikhail link up with those guys, like it's literally just like the 2016, 2018 team, like any bar they go to is just going to get thrown back to like Kelly circa 20, like, you know, we have to discuss Timmy the Hips Delaney. Because... All right, but table him, table him. We'll come back to him. I don't, don't want to. We, we need to talk about bridges. We need no, to talk about bridges. We gotta talk about him for a little but bit. But all that to say though, like Mikhail too. Like I saw a quote from him earlier today. Like he was like, "Yeah, those are my boys." But when I get on the court, like they're not my boys anymore. So I thought that was hilarious too. It was like a quote on ESPN uh, NBA NBA account. But I just thought that was funny because I was like, that is like the mindset of a competitor. So I think actually like Brooklyn will be a good place for him. It is. It's a, Willie's going to, and Willie mentioned this earlier too. Like, there's so much when what Bridges was playing. Wow. The team Bridges was playing on in Phoenix was obviously a good team, but he was very much playing like second and third fiddle to CP3 to Devin Booker, DeAndre, eight, not quite as much the past few years, but he is very much going to be like a featured character in Brooklyn. Him and Spencer Didwitty, and you saw it last night. It was it was interesting. So he picked the number ones. He was wearing the number one, which is kind of cool. Um, but there was so much that was of the offense that was running through Bridges. Like they clearly want him to play a central role, and they're going to build a lot of that offense around him. So it's going to be an awesome opportunity, assuming the Knicks or, or the Nets stay somewhat relevant, which there are enough interesting pieces on that team to be relevant. Like they've got they've got enough people to stay in the playoff hunt. And look, if the team's good and in the playoff hunt, you're still in a major market, it's going to do. And if you can deliver on that, all it's going to do is increase his, uh, his production overall and ultimately lead to another bigger contract at the end of this too. So I think that net, it's going to be a, a good thing for Mikhail. Change is always a weird thing, but you got to be excited for him. 23 and six yesterday. So to your point, a lot running through him. He was the leading scorer on the yeah. uh, on the on the uh, net side of things. Totally. They got him beated though. <laughs> they Big did. Time. They yeah. did. Yeah. It was, it's a tough ask, but what are you going to do? Um, okay, that was Bridges. Do you want to talk about uh, hips? We got to talk about the hips, man. All so, right. so uh, if you know, if you're an OG listener to this podcast, you know that Rob and I were joking all the time about how. Like Tim, Tim Delaney, he's got like the, he's got the beard going. He looks like a finance guy who's going to be, who just can't wait to graduate college just to go work um, for a finance job in New York City and be out the Murray Hill bars. So all of this trades and everyone coming to New York sent me on this like search and I found the guy on LinkedIn. <laughs> sure as shit, he works for Wells Fargo phenomenal. in New York City. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. So there's definitely a non-zero chance that that guy's been out at uh, at the Gem Saloon or the Flying Cock or wherever those places are in Murray Hill. So I just had to, I fucking lost it when I saw that. I literally went on a date once. Like I was seeing a guy and we went out to West Village. Was it East Village, West Village? I don't even remember. We were in a village, one of them. And yeah, I know. Uh, But we were out and literally we're like at the bar ordering drinks and who walks in, but like Pat, Henry and Tim Delaney. Like they were all together and I shit you not. And the guy, like, I like my face just, I was was just like, like, you can't see me because I'm not on camera, but like my, I made a face. The guy I was with was like, 
what? He's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just know all of those people. Like I would not expect to be in at, at, at given any bar you could be in, 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 you know, New York on a, on a Friday night. Like yeah. I picked the one that they all happened to just walk into. Um, it was just very funny. Um, but yeah, so I have seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes. There you go. Love it. Um, should we talk about Sadiq? Yeah. So Sadiq's in a weird spot. I think it'll end up being okay. But so Sadiq Bay was traded from as part of a three kind of technically four team trick deal, but three team deal between the Warriors, Pistons and Hawks. The Warriors sent James Wiseman to the Pistons. Pistons sent Sadiq Bay to the Hawks. Um, and Sadiq or and the Hawks sent five second round picks to the Warriors, which then the Warriors sent to Portland to get Gary and Kevin Knox was also part of that deal to get Gary Payton the second. Um, the issue is Gary Payton the second failed his physical. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. Yeah. yeah. And so the Warriors have until 930 today on Sunday to decide whether or not to like just accept the fact that he failed his physical and let the trade go through or like rescind the trade, which would then have to rescind everything going back through it, um, which would then send Sadiq back to it, uh, to Detroit. I don't think the Warriors will end up doing that. I feel like realistically what will happen is Portland will just like the Warriors sent five second round picks. I'm sure the Warriors will get to keep like two or three of them and then they'll just move on with their life because yeah. the Warriors also needed to move Wiseman yeah. and it saves them money. So I don't think the Warriors are at the end of the day, I think they're just going to like deal with it and just try to recoup some, some things back. Um, but the reason that the failed physical was important is because I don't know. There's rumors about the Portland team or the Portland medical staff, like so weird, tried to force Gary Payton to uh, the second to play and like gave him, I don't know, some shot that makes your body numb and like made him play through it. I don't know if all hearsay at this point. Tordal, Tordal. Tordal, yeah. I don't know. Something for horses, probably. Um, um, I think you're I think you're right though. The Warriors, the Warriors want Peyton as well, too. They'll, yeah. they'll figure out a way to, to make that to make Yeah, that. even if it's not for this year, they want him. He'll be back. Yeah. Um, they loved him when he, they didn't want to let him go. So oh, yeah. I think they'll take it. They'll just try to get their money back. But so Sadiq is now, let's just assume it's gonna be in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, which is Sadiq's had an interesting career because I think he like he was more in a catch and shoot three-point role his first season and he like excelled at it. And then he's tried to add more to his game, which he has. I mean, he scored 50 in the NBA. So he's like, he can score, but he isn't passing the ball well and gets kind of tunnel vision and isn't super efficient. So you kind of what the Pistons are dealing with is like a inefficient, like, I mean, he's not a chucker, but like ball dominant player. Yeah. And on the Pistons, he kind of had the room to do that. The Hawks, he won't. Um, and the Hawks... Because they already have that guy. Because they already have that guy. Um, he'll probably come off the bench. I, it really depends. I mean, the Hawks are already running out young. Bogdanovich, Hunter, Collins, Akongu. There's a bunch of stuff that they could be doing. AJ Griffin. So the Hawks now have like four wings. Uh, but Sadiq Bey is very good. And is like a high-level NBA player. Um so I'm interested to see how the Hawks decide to use him. I'd imagine he's coming off the bench and he'll just be like catch and shoot, running the second unit with like whoever, or to, I, I mean, I skipped Jonathan Murray, um, whoever it, the Hawks decide to like, however they decide to stagger it. Um, but it's just an interesting because 
I feel like at this point last year, Sadiq Bey was on the precipice of like potentially being like a 90, a hundred million dollar player. And now it's probably dropped to like a 50, 60 million dollar player, which I would love to be a 50, 60 million dollar player, but it's been a, so he's had like a bit of a weird yeah. year. Yeah, totally agree. So hopefully he gets his, uh, gets his act together, gets a little bit more efficient. So we'll, uh, we'll see, I guess. And I don't know what it is, but he's always start even like when he, he every year he starts very very slow, and then as the season goes on, he picks up. So he's he's getting he was getting more efficient in Detroit. I imagine making the game simpler for him in Atlanta, where it's just like I'm pretty sure we'll just be catching and shooting and defending, and doing that off of Trey Young, who's going to take two sometimes three three people. He's going to get a lot of open looks. So I imagine his shot quality increases too. Yeah. I think those are the big those are the big moves that we talked about for the Nova guys. Kyle Lowry was also talked about around the trade lot deadline, did not get moved. So he stays on the heat. Mm-hmm. Um continue to produce at a relatively high level and still be valuable. Um I think he's injured at the moment. But um but yeah, so he didn't get moved. And yeah, I don't know. A lot of Nova guys, he, 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 a lot of Dante's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Warriors like him. So yeah, I mean we'll see if they can keep him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Dante will be will get a good contract. Yeah, he's going to get paid. Yeah, we made up for the lack of heart monitors on the last several episodes with that length of that one. So it's yep. very true. I think we can move on. Um, all right, the week that was. Hey, we won two games. <laughs> we won two games, and so back to twelve and thirteen. Um, one game under five hundred to get back to five hundred. We have to beat Butler on Tuesday, Butler. which. Should be Valentine's Day, V Day, if you will. Um, so uh, should should be able to should be able to win that one. Although they beat Xavier, so who the fuck knows? The, the Big East Conference has taken a fucking hard left turn. Any given like, Sunday, it just just like it was. We seem to get getting some sensibility to like, okay, here's the top tier, here's the bottom tier, and then here's the middle tier, and now all of a sudden we're back to absolute chaos because. Providence goes into St. John's yesterday and loses. Xavier goes into Butler on Friday night and loses. Marquette goes to UConn, um, who had been struggling, arguably, for for a while. They get absolutely blown out at UConn. And then UConn turns around and loses to Creighton, which I don't think was a surprise, but like still just chaos everywhere. Hard to win on the road in the Big East. And then... Seton Hall, who had been climbing up the, the 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 bracket, if you will, kind of in like a lot of people's next four out uh, situation type, right there, and Villanova and Villanova comes and beats them yesterday at at the Wells Fargo Center. So the Big East has just become a cluster, and so it's kind of like the whole thing's up for grabs. If you if you had to ask me at this moment in time, I think Creighton's the team to beat in the conference. Um, which is hilarious how after all of this, <laughs> we've kind of wound up where we started, <laughs> mm-hmm. but but it kind of looks like other than Marquette, it's going to shake out, uh, other than Marquette and other than us, to be honest, like it's going to kind of shake out where this, where this conference is kind of like where the preseason projections kind of ended up, they're going to end up being kind of right. Yeah, where if you flip have... Marquette and us, it's probably exactly what people thought. Yeah, so so it's it's kind of interesting how this has all kind of happened. And by the way, we say that as of uh, February twelfth, in about a week from now, the whole thing's going to be different all over again. So, um, but kind of digress on the Big East. Villanova 
we said going into this week, um, and we're not going to do any rants this week because we don't need to, but like we said going into this week, hey, we got to win the next three games at home. If there is a time for this program to figure something out and to do it, this is the show me three games. Show me that this team can do it. Um, we're two games in so far. They've kind of done that uh, to a large degree, uh, played a tight overall game versus DePaul who shot well early, but we kind of got wrestled control of that game and put them away and played really well down the stretch against DePaul late um, on the aforementioned Jalen Brunson uh, Jersey retirement night. And then versus Seton Hall really kind of owned that game after the first like 10 minutes really owned like the, the middle 25 minutes of that game. And then, and then at the end there, there was a little bit of whatever. And we, well, I guess you guys want to have a discussion on it, but I, I'm going to put my stamp on it. We've won 12 games this year. And so I'm not nitpicking any of them. <laughs> so we have plenty to nitpick from the 13 losses. So the 12 wins, I'm not going to sit here and, and whatever. It was annoying being there live and having to deal with kind of the finish of that game. It was, it was very frustrating because we we're up like 53, 39, I think at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see that go down to 57, 53, I never felt like we would lo- lose, but I just like, I'm sitting there and I'm like constantly thinking about Ken Palm and I'm just like, man, this would be a great Ken Palm <laughs> situation right here. And we kind of salted that away and ended up, Seton Hall ended up backdoor covering the spread in the process. So if you're a gambler, you were pretty upset by that. Yeah. I think you just said it like, once again, nothing a lot, like it's, we won. So whatever. It was just very annoying. And the decision-making down the stretch to be it, it to be fair, is consistent with our decision making that we've made basically throughout the entire year. But there was just I, I don't even blame the like home run pass from Slater to Whitmore. I oh get trying gosh. to do that. It's Slater put take a little bit less juice on it, <laughs> but I can't blame it. It was actually like s- sneaky, like a fantastic play call by Neptune on that inbounds because there was like a screen. Cam drove forward and then spun and then sprinted. It was actually really well designed. We yeah. just couldn't complete it um by the way I, brandon slater makes that home run pass yeah lot. he's done it all the time so yeah. i'm not like i wasn't really, i wasn't that wasn't really where i was upset about um i think daniels had struggled a little bit just down the stretch the turnovers like, the I, turnovers I, I come back to this i come back to this a lot like it's really frustrating like to watch a fifth year senior because like or six year senior <laughs> um like it's it's frustrating because you're just getting to a point where it's just like, okay, guys, I'm sorry. Like it's not coaching because, because for like five years, he got coached on this four years in Villanova system. Yeah. Right? Like, like, I'm sorry. Like it's just making a boneheaded play. It's a player making a boneheaded play. Yeah. He does it too often. I And like not even the turnovers, but it was like the, I don't know, one forty left on the clock game clock. And he passed up an open three, which he should have done and then drove back down and then shot a fade away with like 20 seconds left on the clock and it was kind of like what are what are we doing here like that that was that was the moment where i was like all right now we're just playing stupid mm-hmm. um but we were able to recover from that um there's a i mean there was moments like i no one like i this probably was like what three and a half minutes left or something like that dixon got the ball up over half court and no one came and got it from dixon so they pressured dixon and then eventually a turnover happened and i was like yeah well i mean dixon was handling the ball at half court what do we expect um it was frustrating but i don't want that frustration to take away from the fact that like we played phenomenal defense 
Um, and like some of it was ugly, but I think it was just phenomenal defense. And then most importantly, what I love to see, and this is why I think where my frustration came from is Seton Hall got within one and we immediately slammed the door. It was, and we did it on defensive plays. We forced like five straight turnovers. It was uh, Slater with like a bucket, Cam's backdoor, Cam's cut, which Cam was a great cutter, which anyone who's like, oh, I don't understand how Cam's going to play in the NBA. He's just going to do that by off better players and <laughs> get six dunks a game. Regardless, um, Cam had a cut and then um, Slater got another steal. And we just like locked in defensively for a stretch of like four minutes. And I was like, that's it. That was what I wanted to see defensively. It was great to watch. Like that stretch gave me the most. Like if we can do that two times a game for four minutes and play decent offense, I like our chances in the Big East tournament. That if that's what I wanted to see, that stretch of defense, because that was the most locked in we have been all year, pressure wise, flying around wise, staying guarded, staying on our man wise. It was that was Villanova defense that I was really proud to see, and I think I just got a little bit frustrated because we kind of like. It's true that with like how the game ended. Yeah. But yeah. if you were to tell me that at some point in time in this game, we'd be up 53 39 and Justin Moore would have zero points at that time. I would tell you you're crazy. Yeah. So, so there was a lot to, there was a lot to take away. That was good. And the, the, the overall big picture here is we said, as I mentioned this before, this was the, sh- this is the show me time of this, of this thing. Cause like the at large bid, unless you know, barring a win out, like is probably well, like long sailed, right? If so, you like, look at my other screen right now, I was like, what does it take with a win out? Uh, Bartorvik, just I, I love this website, has like a team cast, so it allows you to project if uh, like each game and what's your like where you fit in the tournament based off of all these projections. If we win out, it projects us, and it doesn't take in the biggest tournament account into account. We are the last team in the last four in. Oof, if we win out that's that's terrible that's but but that hey it's on, <laughs> that's at large it's on the table <laughs> um it's so 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 look I, I think now at this point oh, for we can look at the last two weeks in a better context and say yeah okay this team is improving right like this yep. team has improved over the last two weeks like it didn't pan out to wins the previous week um yep. two of those games on the road but but it did pan out into wins this week. DePaul, obviously one of them. But Seton Hall is – is Seton Hall the best win of the season? <laughs> it might be. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's rough for sure. But here we go. Now we got Butler this week. And is it Providence at the end of the week? Um, yeah, yeah Providence. Providence at the end of the week. So, I guess let's talk a little bit about, about that. We've, we finally had 25 games into the season, our first fully healthy roster. First time of guys who played. Yep. Like Longino's back. Uh, looked a little rusty yesterday. Got a haircut. Did not which, like the haircut. Which was really hard to like, really, really like his longer hair. Yeah, like, I think he plays better with longer hair. Like, I think whatever. so too. Yeah. Um, but he's back, and so we got so we have full full complement of players, uh, and so and so we got a Butler on Tuesday night. I know that they just beat Xavier. They did it at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Weird game, weird call to finish the game, everything. I don't – I'm going to choose to ignore that and say that we are going to beat them at the Pavilion. I'm just going to put it on the line. We're going to have a 10-plus point victory at the Pavilion. It's a revenge game for us. They've already handed us their loss at Hinkle. We're playing much better basketball than than we did back then. I actually think the fact that they didn't have Manny Bates in that last game versus us 
hurt us. <laughs> so that's a spin zone. <laughs> yes, that's a spin zone. I think that it forced their offense to run more like through the fact that we couldn't cut over a screen. Uh, so we got, we got buried from deep. Now the, now their offense is going to run more through the interior. And I think we're actually more well suited to handle that. Um, so I, I actually think that this game is, I think we're going to comfortably win versus Butler. And then it comes down to the Providence game at the end of the week. Um, and it was really like the Providence and the Xavier game, which are Saturday and Tuesday in back to back at Providence at Xavier, which talking about the show me thing. If we win this game, we get to 13 and 13. Got to win one of those two games to, again, we're talking about show me something. You got to win one of those two games and you're going to play two ranked teams on the road. So, well, Providence won't be ranked uh, after this week, but after losing to St. John's yesterday, but that's kind of where I feel like it. Willie, Rob thoughts. I I don't know. It's, I'm still skeptical is not even the right word. I'm just like, not even excited. Like it's good. We won two games this week. There are two games that we talked about. We expected to win. You should win this week, this week. If you go two and oh, it's a little bit more interesting, but to me, the team, yeah, I guess they're better than what they were. Like that's not, I don't, I don't know how much that's, that's saying at this point. No, look, it's, I mean, we're it's, talking it's, about a 12 and 13 team. No yeah, one here is sitting here. Yeah, no yeah. one's sitting here getting their hopes up. Realistically. No, 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 no. It's yeah. It's just, it's just tough for me. Cause I, I watch it. I'm like, yeah, this team is better. Is this team good? No, it's still not, it's still not good. Like, we still let Seton Hall back in that. Yeah, we, we closed it out. And I, I think Willie's point is spot on. It's good to see the defensive, uh, the defense step up there and be able to close that out, which we haven't been able to do. Is there a whole lot of, about this that, that gets me excited? Not, not really. So I'm like, okay, like let's, let's see what the next couple games bring. You know, I, I think what, what I'm trying to solve for at this point is can this team get good enough so that I feel like there's a, there's some, kernel of hope that we could reel off four in a row in the big east tournament and to be very clear that world is does not exist yet in my mind like we we won our couple games we got everybody back healthy we clearly can't just flip the switch and and be a top 10 team again so there's still a lot to see because right now based on what i've seen with this team we probably win one maybe two games in the big east tournament and that's it so yep. hoping against hope here is, is a little bit of a fool's errand in my mind. So that's, that's kind of where I am, I guess. I'm going to take it from that slightly depressing tone and try to turn up just a bit to the opposite. <laughs> I, but I like agree with Rob where I'm at is if let's win, if we win these two and we beat Providence in Providence, then I'll start to like, then I'm all right. Well, what, what does this team look like? That's where I feel a little bit more confident. Um, you you have to be Butler. You just have to be Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're thinking about this week. Realistically, it's can we be Providence or Xavier? Can we get a marquee road win? If we can get one of those, I'll feel decent about winning one, maybe two games at the Big East tournament. If we get both of them, then I'm like, all right. If they if we get both of them, the, our outlook on the season completely changes. And then it's okay. You have Creighton, Seton Hall, Connecticut. You have to beat Seton Hall and then win one of those two, and we're in a much better place. It all starts with Butler on Tuesday, having to take care of business versus them, and then 
we're projected to lose our next five games or after Butler, like Butler's the last projected win on the schedule. So it's, can you take three out of five? Right. And it, I, I, I can't see. And I think one of those three just has to be Providence or Xavier. Um, so if we win both, I start to feel a little bit, the word hope comes into my vocabulary a little bit more. I think, it, I think if you get, to, if you win four out of five, I think then you're basically saying like, we could definitely make a run in Biggie's storm. Cause, cause then you're basically have, have knocked off the teams that you would need to knock off again. If you win four out of five, I think you're like, get to the Biggie semifinals and you might, you have a case to be an at large realistically no, no, with the, no. with the four that you have to beat where it's like, a, it's no, 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 three no, quad like, one actually, games play out the play out the scenario yeah oh, yeah please let's play out the scenario do you beat butler so then you're 13 and 13 doesn't go by record this is go by a sniff test on the record right yeah you win four or five you get to 17 and you get to 17 and 14 right you win two games in the big east tournament to get to the semifinal friday you're 19 and 15 15. realistically our our ken palm is 68 our net is 85 you win the games that we said, you're looking at a Ken Palm probably in like the 50 range and the and the and a net probably in the 40, 50 range, which is objectively potentially an at-large thing. And then you factor in the fact that you have, oh, well, Villanova can argue that, okay, they won all those games now when they were fully healthy. So this is actually the real team. I'm not saying it's Willie didn't say we're going to get an at-large in that that scenario. Willie said you're in the conversation for an at-large, and I agree with that point. It's still not having – I don't know. It still seems like a pretty low number of wins in my mind. I I don't know what the numbers are historically, but – But you've added added two quad – you've added three or four quad one wins by doing that. Yeah, but that's fine. But you're still at like 18, 19 wins. Like, uh, okay, it's it's not, it's not not a good number. But I think you're, I think you're thinking of this like, yeah, it's not a good number, but like that's what at large, like eleven seeds at largest look like. Like that's just that eighteen win and they're eighteen and fifteen. That's what they've always looked like. You're not getting like twenty three win teams that no, are no, the no, last no. Seed, that are the last seed there. So like we're we would be profiling to look like that. I'm just trying to map out what this would look like because I love this website. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm just doing so. Like let's say. It's beat Butler, beat Providence, lose to Xavier, win those three. Um, and then I'm putting in the conference tourney. I don't, I'm not doing the math, but let's say we have Seton Hall in round one, potentially. Mm, it wouldn't be Hall. Give me who you think it might be. It would be like Butler. Or, As a or, what seat? No, so we would, in that situation, we'd be a six. So it'd be Georgetown. It'd be all Georgetown right. round one. Oh, well, that makes, it, that makes our case even tougher. <laughs> but all right, so we have Georgetown round one and then. Who do you think uh, take so then we play the three seed. So call that. Uh, I have it as Marquette right now. Uh, it might be Xavier. Play put it Xavier. Okay, so then let's say we beat Xavier, which that's a whole. We already lost to them in this situation, but like let's say we. But we've lost to them. them. We've lost them twice, so maybe yeah. you know at the Big East tournament something different. And then championship, we'll call it Creighton. It wouldn't be championship. We'd be a six seed. So you're gonna we gotta uh, play the one more. semifinal Friday. We we play the two seed, who would probably be Marquette or Creighton. All right, so we'll put Marquette here. And I'm are we calling that a win? No, a loss? we're calling okay. that a loss. Okay, That's so where it ends there. We, it ends there. That puts us at 19 and 15. Ooh. 
number one on first team out. Yeah. <laughs> number one. So it would you would need help, but number one on first team out in that situation. So, but no, I'm just like, well, like what, what, what website are you using? <laughs> I'm just like, I'll send you it. But, but anyway, look, uh, the point is here is that this is not what we think is going to happen. The point is, the point is, is like, this is what will, this is what it needs to look like for this to even be a conversation. But, yep. but let's just talk about some of the positive things that I've seen um, in the last couple of weeks. Number one, I actually I talked about Brendan Hawes, um, who has become who versus DePaul was great. He didn't, I don't think he got a shot off versus Hall. I, if he did, I didn't remember it, um, which could have been my fault. Um uh, but the the um but versus uh versus DePaul, he was awesome and yeah. from off, offensively but the other thing that's changed is that defensively he's a much better player um and he's much more reliable and he's getting minutes that are kind of like very similar to Mark Armstrong's minutes and in addition to that Mark Armstrong has actually started to be utilized in a defensive role um because he's got quick hands he can he can turn them he can turn people over so he, he i look his minutes have kind of as the team has gotten healthier his minutes have kind of stagnated a little bit but Mark Armstrong has been playing well in the minutes that he's been utilized and he's gotten better defensively. The, 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 the development of the freshman, Cam Whitmore has always been Cam Whitmore, but the development of the freshman on this team has actually been a, a, a little minor kind of somewhat missed narrative, so to speak, because it's, it's, it, they've de- developed quite a bit and they've actually helped this team a lot. Uh, so, so that's something that we have to point out. Um, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, yeah, Cam's Cam. What I love about Hawson, and I've said this before in this podcast, is I don't think I've ever seen a person come off the bench and hit threes. Like his first shot is made all the time. And it's not like he's been, he runs around for five minutes and then he's like warm. He comes off the bench cold. First shot is always good. So I love that from him. Um, he's getting better defensively. It's super interesting where I think they're almost opposites of um, Hausen and um, Armstrong where Hausen is getting better defensively. Like he, I, I'll say like this, Hausen's getting better offensively enough to where, and defensively where he has like a level of like, we're able to trust him being out there. We're not always playing zone when he's out there. Like he's like playing man to man. He's understanding things. Mark is interesting where Mark has raised his defensive floor high enough to where like, I think every, like the 15 to 18 minutes we have him out there, it's actually for defense and anything he gives on offense. That's when we start to see more minutes. So if like Mark's, if Mark, if we, if we play Butler and Mark's like kind of on fire, he might play 20 to 25, but if he's not, and it's just like out there, he's out there, he's going to play his 15 ish minutes, but it's going to be because of his defense, his quick hands. The fact that he is a one man press break, like he just he can break a press just like if you give him a step he's going to beat you to the corner and he's going to dribble it out and get to uh, past the timeline so i've i'm very happy with the development i've seen i like want them to continue to like work on it in the summer and get better because like those two are just the future like that's just what it is like they are they're the future yeah. And, and one of the reasons, just to be clear, one of the reasons why, I, why I'm like re- really cheering for this team to to find a way to get the NCAA tournament brothers is like a really pipe dream type scenario yeah. here. Like, but like to find your way into the NIT or something, turn the narrative, flip the flip the script around on this season is because ending on a high note will be good for this team's off season. Yep. <laughs> this team needs to end Absolutely. on a high note with how this, this season's gone, the narrative circulating around this team, the conversation circling around this team, the fan conversation, the, all the things that we hit on last week. 
this team needs to end on a high note so that there's something to latch on to for, for next season, give some yep. people some thought like, Hey, yeah, Villanova can be Villanova. And, and, and you came to the right place because yep. too much garbage has gone on and stuff has been talked about this year for it to be, for that to be the case. So like you need to end on a high note. So I'm rooting for this team to end on that kind of note because that's the thing. You don't want to have a situation where things kind of end in like a really shitty way. And then people start to think about the portal and you get turmoil and then we got to rebuild the team via the portal, which we got to go to the portal regardless, but like, yeah. you don't want to be in that situation. We um, want to go to the portal for like two to three players, not four to six. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good, good way to say it. And and the other thing that I the other couple of things I want to point out, Longino coming back, we already talked, we already touched on him. The t- fact that this team played pretty well without more being very good. Um, he's good defensively. Yeah. Um, and he got, I think he pulled seven or eight boards down uh and had a few assists. But the the fact that this team played well without more contributing from a scoring standpoint uh is is really gives me uh, a lot a lot to like. Yeah. Um the offense has run more through Dixon. It took us a l- reason why we stagnated early is that we weren't getting to Dixon. And then we turned the game on its, on its head. Once we started to get the game, once we started to get the ball down low and let Dixon go to work. And the fact that the team has figured out to do that, like, which I don't know why it took 25 games or 23 games to do it. But the fact that we finally figured out that we have to play inside out is 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 critical and you're actually starting to see a little bit touch better shooting as a result of it so so that's big and the other thing that i think has helped hausen's game from a three-point standpoint is justin um justin coming back and being and being good draws defenders and he finds hausen open um you know in the corner what have you so i, I all of that is you know looks good and the fact i watching the game live yesterday the reason Hazen didn't get a shot up or if he got one up, I, I just don't remember it. The reason why he, the reason why that's the case is because the scout on him is out. And it's basically like, if he's on the floor, you better have a defender within five feet of him at all times. So the ball could be on the other side of the, the ball could be on the other side of the court and he's still got a defender who's he's, he's drawn closer to him. That actually is going to be huge for us could be down, the, yeah. down the stretch because, because it's spreading the floor and now we have more room for Dixon and more and Caleb to operate on the other side of the court. I think there's some really unique things that we could start getting into in Austin on the floor of like, like you're saying, like, I think there's a world of like utilizing Hazen as, I mean, just frankly, as a decoy, like, yeah. And like running actions to his side, but realistically looking for things coming from the weak side and looking for like cam cutting off of like, I, mean, I can get into like the details of what it would look like, but like there's just a lot of stuff we could do with Hazen on the floor because like you said, like teams are essentially face guarding him and just like, just don't let him get the ball because if he gets it and you have, he has six feet of space, it's going up and it's going to go in. He's, probably going he's, in, the, yeah. he's the best shooter I've seen at Villanova. Wow, I'm, not, I'm not going to change it. Yeah. That's just it. I, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. just, yeah. He's really I haven't been good. excited. I haven't been this excited about a shooter in a very, very Gillespie. long time. The Gillespie might be the only one you could point to. I was never that excited about Gillespie. Like, I think Gillespie's is different. Gillespie's almost felt like scoring, not shooting, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, I it was like a different thing. Yeah, I, I mean... 
Regardless, I, I, I meant like as, a, the, as I meant like as a freshman, like yeah, like Gillespie is Gillespie is a freshman. It's like okay, this guy, he's like yeah, he'll stand in the corner, he'll, he'll hit, he'll hit a three. Housen's release is like yeah, he gets it up so quick. like yeah. lightning quick. The dude is just full stop a shooter. Like that is his role on the team and will be going forward. And yeah, there there hasn't been somebody like that who came out freshman year, just guns a blazing when they got time yeah. ready to go. I, I honestly can't think of anybody like not Jenkins, not like not Corey Stokes. Like uh, I can't think of anybody. Yeah. And so also, okay. Gillespie was playing next to six NBA players. Yeah. Football, totally. Phil yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a not insignificant part yeah. of the whole situation. I'd be so <laughs> curious what Hawson could have done on that team. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, the team didn't need any more. The team didn't need anything else, but. <laughs> uh, Unreal. So, so look, Longino coming back is going to help this team defensively. I think pound for pound, I think he's our best defender. Um, if I'm being, that's my belief. So the fact that this has gotten, the fact that the defense has improved significantly in the last several games since Moore's been back, I think, Will, you pulled it up before top 50 defense yeah, since Moore's uh, been back. Yeah, 51, actually, but yeah. Okay, so not 51, whatever. That's a far cry, far cry from what it was before. Um, We've jumped into the top 100 defensively, so that that's to your point, is this team has improved significantly defensively. Offense has kind of gone a little bit the other way, but I think that's a little bit, I think that's a little bit just like these guys just got to get a little bit hot. That's the one thing that like, I'm. uh, that's the the pipe dream element of this is that there will be a little bit of a shooting regression to mean towards the back end of the season in a good way for us. But that's, I mean, I'm hoping that's a hope and a, what's a wing and a prayer, right? Like at this point, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're just hoping that what you've historically seen from some of these shooters is, is what will ultimately play out. Yeah. So, so we'll see what happens offensively, but at least the defense has started to lock up, which will keep us in all these games. We play slow anyway. So we're going to be, it's going to be a lot of root canals in the last <laughs> seven games down the stretch here. So that's what that's what you should all expect. All right. Uh, anyone have anything else? I'm good on my end. Go birds is what I got. Go yeah, yeah, true. yeah. We're we're recording Preach. this before the uh, before the Eagles play. So uh, and it won't get posted till after. So hoping that the Eagles get this done. I'm definitely rooting for the birds. Rob's got reasons to root for the birds. Absolutely. Happy wife, happy life. Willie's got his Eagles jersey on. I am a little bit more on the agnostic side, but my time that I spent in Philadelphia has me as a as a uh, definitely leaning Eagles big time today. So I'm uh, all good there. All right. That's all we got this week. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back with a fun episode next week. We're, we're, we're pretty excited about we're going we're gonna to do a crossover episode. We got to get the time iron down, but we're going to do a crossover episode with a very fun Xavier podcast. Um, that we'll be talking a little bit more about on Twitter as the week uh, plays out. So, all right. Thank you everybody for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.